0: Now that everybody's in the right frame of mind this morning, and you know that somebody loves you, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 2 as we pick up where we left off last week, Matthew chapter 2, and while you're turning there, um, last week we, as we began in talking about uh, specifically the gifts. We talked a little bit about the wise men and Matthew just didn't give us an awful lot of information about the wise men. We know last week, and we found out, I'm sorry to bust your bubble. There wasn't three wise men as sometimes we've been led to believe because of songs and, and traditions over the years, but there were some is what Matthew said. Then we also told us that not only were there some, but they were from Eastern lands. But beyond that, there wasn't just a lot of information that he shared. Um, Matthew didn't tell us who the wise men were, but we, we had to go back and do a little research, and we'll do a little bit more of that today. Matthew also introduced us to a star, but he didn't tell us an awful lot about the star, but the fact that the, that the wise men followed the star to where baby Jesus was. Um, and so uh, after they found baby Jesus, you, you, or Jesus, you know that, that they presented him gifts Um, They were valuable, they were significant, but they were also symbolic as well as prophetic in relationship to the role that Jesus would eventually fulfill. But let's read our passage of Scripture again today because, again, it reminds us to where we are and sort of brings us all back together as we take a look. And this is what Matthew records for us in Matthew chapter 2, uh, verses 1 through 11. He tells the story of the wise men. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod and at that time some wise men from the eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking asking the question where is the newborn king of the Jews we saw his star as it rose and we've come to worship him and King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this as was everyone in Jerusalem He called a meeting of the leading priest and the teachers of the religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem, in Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you and who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. And then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, I want you to come back and tell me so that I can worship him too. Hmm. After this interview, the wise men went on their way. And the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. And it went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and they saw the child with his mother and Mary and they bowed down and they worshipped him and they opened their treasure chest and they gave him gifts of gold and frankincense and incense and myrrh. Jesus, today in the reading of your word in our time in this place, Lord, I pray that there would be something inside of our conversations in the word that we read today, your word, that will remind us of the desperate need that we have and the role that Jesus would fill as he would come as prophet, priest, and king. Jesus, thank you for the reading of your word today in this place. And Lord, I'm very much reminded that this is the season, the time of year, that there's much celebration and there's much joy. But also in this season, there's sadness and there's, there's confusion and there's difficulties. Father, I pray that we would walk with you through the valley of the shadow of whatever season we may be facing or situation we may be enduring at this time. Thank you, Father, for the privilege of being here in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to talk a little bit today about the gift of frankincense. And I brought some frankincense with me today. And somebody uh, um, very interesting where you can find things these days. But we're going to be talking about that. Um, but before we do that, let's go back and let's look just a little bit more at the wise men who happened to bring the gift. They were called wise wise men. The Greek word is magos. That's where we get the word magi. It's really a word that, in our English, is untranslatable. We we use the word wise men because that's basically what they did. They were wise men. They. They played an important role. Uh, The Magi were a tribe of people. Uh, The Greek historian Herodotus uh, makes note that the wise men were a priestly caste that came outside of the, the Medes and the Persians. The Magi were a small group of people inside of a larger group like the Israelites. You had the Israelite, the whole nation, but then you had inside of that the 12 tribes of Israel who came from the sons of Jacob. One of those Uh, Tribes, if you remember, was the tribe of Levi, which was a priestly tribe. They carried out the functions, the ceremonies. They represented the nation of God before God, and they carried out the priestly functions. Well, it seemed like the Medes had somewhat of a similar setup, made up many tribes, and one of those tribes performed the the ritual customs and worships, and it was the Magian tribe where we get the word magi. They maintained influence in many different cultures and several empires, the Babylonians, the Medes, and the Persians, the Greek, and then also the Romans is where we are now with Jesus' being uh, Jesus's birth and who was in control. And we also learned last week that they were sought after for wisdom and advice. They were influencers of kings and monarchies. The Magi were monotheistic. They worshiped one God. They supposedly, supposedly their primary element of worship was fire. They believed that they saw fire as being a symbol of the power of God. And over time, they worshiped in what was called fire temples. Um, they, um, They had an altar with a perpetually burning flame, and they believed that that flame had been lit by God himself. It was also said that they had another altar where they sacrificed animals. Um, similar to the sacrificial system that you may be familiar with in the Old Testament under the nation of Israel. The Magi system also had a system of clean and unclean, as did the Israelites. Um, And they also, when it came to the dead, they had specific ways that they handled the dead bodies because they believed that by touching them in in various ways they could become unclean. And you might be asking, well, Sid, why in the world is all that important? It's very, very important. Because when Daniel arrived in Babylon, the wise men were already in place, in a place of leadership under King Nebuchadnezzar and his reign and his authority. But after a series of events, as we talked about last week, if you remember, Daniel, he, he happened to interpret a dream. And as a result of that, he went from, he went from being a, an enslaved exile from, from Israel to finding favor. And he was placed as ruler over Babylon and also chief over the Magi, which is so important because when Daniel moved into that position of leadership, guess what he brought with him because of his obedience to the Lord? He brought with him the scriptures as well as the Jewish belief system along with the prophecies about the Messiah who would be born, who would be ruler not only of Israel, but also of the world. And it was easy for the wise men who encountered Daniel and his belief system to accept that which Daniel brought because it was so similar to the system that they themselves had in place. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? So to sum it up, the wise men were a priestly tribe. They were influential in kings and kingdoms for many years. They had great prominence in Babylon, Babylon uh, under the reign of King Nebuchadnezzar. They were influencers, uh, prophet The prophet Daniel, when he came, he brought the Jewish scriptures as well as the the prophecies about the coming Messiah. But something happened. There was something that took place. Make sure you listen to what I'm about to tell you. After the 6th century, before Jesus was born, the Magi began to change. Babylon came under control of the Medes and Persians. King Darius came in to play. He became the ruler, and at that time, he wanted a national religion. And so he chose Zoroastrianism, which worshipped the god Ahura Mazda. There was a lord of wisdom. King Darius made a decree over the empire, and the magi and the wise men did something very interesting. I can't imagine that somebody would do this, but basically they said, listen, if that's what you want us to do, if that's what you want us to believe, if that's what you want us to promote, we'll do whatever you want to do. We want to maintain our influence, and also we want to continue to be compensated by the government. So we'll do whatever you want us to do. Isn't that interesting? Hmm. So you had some wise men holding on to the ancient beliefs from, from far, far away, from a long time ago. Um, but in addition to that, you also had those who now were supporting King Darius and Zoroastrianism that were bringing that just as the king instructed. But in addition to that, there were others who believed in the God that Daniel had talked about, that believed in the God of Daniel. And the, and the wise men that we're talking about here, I believe, are those wise men who were seeking after the Lord. And I think they represent this group of Daniel's influence. And so this group following the God of Daniel, they had heard the prophecies. They had heard all the stories surrounding the future king who would come, who would be ruler not over only of Israel but also of the world. And this caravan of wise men, they traveled to Jerusalem and then to Bethlehem in the hopes that they would find this this newborn king. And when they found him, look at what it says in verse 11, they entered the house and they saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and they worshipped him and they opened up their treasure chest and they gave him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And we talked about gold last week and we talked about its representation and its, and its symbolism of, of, of that being for a king. But, but let's talk today about frankincense and what it represents and what it was. It was a sap. It was a resin that came from a specific tree that was found in the Arabian Peninsula. According to one historian, it was the cash flow of the Arabians. As a matter of fact, it was said to have made them very, very rich, and the only way that frankincense could have made its way to Israel is it would have had to have been imported to harvest it. It was just like harvesting pine sap from years ago, or maybe maple syrup, a, a strip would have been cut in a tree, the sap would have been collected, it would have been allowed to, to dry, and then it would be taken and it would be pounded into powder. Um, so that you guys can see what it looks like, I brought some for you today. If you've ever seen, if you know anything about that, but that's what that's what it looks like, and it's purest of forms before it's been ground. And so, uh, if you give me $150, I'll give this to you. <laughs> I bought it for 29 cent, but I'll give it to you for $150. But uh, but anyway. Um, so we find the word frankincense used multiple times in scriptures. It's associated with offerings. It's associated with the priesthood of Israel. Frankincense was a substance that was used for a priest and by priest. Frankincense was said to have been used when ordaining a person into the priesthood. They would take the frankincense and they would, they would mix it with oil and they would anoint the priest. It was also used by the priest for various offerings, Um, whether it was a grain offering, a peace offering. In Leviticus chapter 2, there's an example where it says, when you present grain as an offering to the Lord, the offering must consist of of choice flour. You are to pour olive oil on it, sprinkle it with frankincense, and bring it to Aaron's sons and priests. The priest will scoop out a handful of the flour, moisten with oil, and together with all the frankincense and burn this representative portion on the altar, it's a special gift, a pleasing aroma to the Lord. And so the offering to the Lord was one of obedience. It was one of thanksgiving. And guess what happens when we live in obedience and thanksgiving to the Lord? Guess what our lives our lives become. They become a pleasing offering to the Lord when we offer ourselves to his service. When we when we say, Lord, here I am, you use me. We become, our lives become a pleasing aroma to the Lord. Uh, it was that type of an offering that Paul himself would talk about when receiving a gift, the gifts from the church at Philippi, when he said it was sweet smelling and a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to. To the Lord. So frankincense, wasn't, it wasn't just used to anoint a priest for service, but it was also used by the Jewish priest to worship God. It was a, it was a symbol of holiness. It was a symbol of righteousness. Um, and so not only was the gift of gold given, but you also have this gift of frankincense given. What was the ministry, though, behind the person who would receive this gift? And you know, when we talk about frankincense and we talk about gold and the, and the gifts that were being presented, I have, to, I have to think to myself, what in the world was Mary and Joseph thinking at that time that these gifts were being presented? And remember that the gifts were not being presented to them, they were being presented to Jesus. Frankincense not only was emblematic, but it was also prophetic because one of the roles that Jesus would eventually play is the role of high priest. As a matter of fact, if you go back to the book of Hebrews in the New Testament and you begin to look and you'll find out that Jesus' high priest is mentioned more than 10 times, meaning that Jesus is our high priest, that he stands before God meditating and advocating on our behalf. He's the perfect high priest for us. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 14, it says, so then, Since we have a great high priest who's entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of them, the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. And so we have a substance used by Jewish priests now being presented by Parthenian Gentile priests to Jesus by the wise men to Jesus who the Bible teaches would eventually become our great high priest. If you know the story, Jesus, he was crucified. He was crucified for our sins. He was placed in a tomb, but then he would be raised from the dead three days later. For 40 days he would appear to not only the disciples but many others. And then the Bible says that Jesus ascended into heaven where the scripture says, don't miss this, he sat down at the right hand of the Father. This is what Hebrews chapter 10, 10, 2 says. But our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins good for all time. And then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. And like I said, don't miss this because there's something that's really important that's very easy to miss. Out of all the articles of furniture that there were in the temple, there was one thing that was missing. Do you know what it was? There was no chair. There was no seat. Because the priests were always on their feet. The priests were always at work. Because the Old Testament priest's work was never done. It was never done. Day after day, sacrifice after sacrifice, the work was never done. It was never completed. And so here's Jesus now as the high priest. And not only did he offer the sacrifice, he himself became the sacrifice. He was the sacrificial lamb who died once and for all for the sins of the world. Not some, but he died for the sins of Oh the world look to the person on your left and right and say Jesus died for you. Once and for all, he gave his life as a sacrifice for you. And when Jesus ascended to heaven, he didn't sit down because he was tired or because he needed to take a break. But Jesus sat down because the work that he had came to do was done. It was completed it was finished. It was over. Because see what Jesus did on the cross and the price that he paid to take care of the sins of the world, it was enough. And Jesus sat down. He sat down. He finished the work that he came to do, yet he still continues as our intercessor, as our advocate on our behalf before the Father. You know, I uh, in Hebrews chapter 7, it says this, Therefore he, talking about Jesus, is able once and forever to save those who come to God through him. He lives forever to intercede with God on, on their behalf. Have you ever made a decision to follow Jesus? Have you ever made a decision to trust Jesus and say, Jesus, I, I, can't, I, I recognize that all the works and the things that I try to do, they're not enough but I recognize that what you did on the cross was enough and it's finished. You know, isn't it awesome when somebody texts you and say, man, I'm thinking about you. Nate, isn't it good when you get a little text and you know, one of your buddies is texting you and say, hey, Nate, I just want you to know I'm praying for you today. You know, uh, Richard, it may be you. You know, I, you know I, somebody said, man, I'm just praying for you. Today. I'm thinking about you today. Isn't that awesome? I know Joe, I know you text a lot of people, but you probably get some text yourself just thinking about you today. And I want you to understand this. Man, it's great to have some of you guys thinking about us and praying for us. I I love to. I got a text this morning from from Mike Tucker all the way over in St. Augustine. Mike saying, buddy, I'm thinking about you praying for the services this morning. And I thought, man, that's awesome. But I want you to understand this. As great as it is to get an encouragement from you, I want you to know that our Heavenly Father is there interceding on our behalf, that he's praying for us. In the midst of the difficulties, the questions, the fears, all the stuff that we have a tendency to want to worry about, the bad health issues that we might be facing, Jesus goes before the Lord on our behalf, and he is our high priest. It's exactly what Job in the Old Testament would ask for. I mean, here's, here's Job. Here he was. He was alienated. He was isolated. And he was, he was isolated from God because of all of the suffering that he was experiencing. And in Job chapter 9, in the middle of his sufferings, he cried out. And he cried out for a mediator between he and God. And in Job chapter 9, 33, it says this, If only there were a mediator between God and myself, someone to bring us together. And Jesus is that go-between. Jesus is that mediator. He is the perfect high priest. Fully God, fully man is what we call the theanthropic nature of Christ. He's the perfect middleman. He's the perfect high priest. If you go in the New Testament, Paul was a good middleman. We find the story in, about Onesimus, the slave. And, and in the book of Philemon, there was one of Paul's letters. He had written the letter to a slave owner by the name of Philemon, who had a slave who was Onesimus who had ran away that had maybe stolen some things from Philemon, he had ran away to Rome, and there he encountered Paul, who would share with them the gospel, the truth of the gospel. And Onesimus would come to believe and to to want to follow Christ. And now you've got a criminal on the run as a slave that's given his life to Christ. And Paul writes back to Philemon on Onesimus' behalf, and he said, look, he said, man, I want you to understand this guy's given his life to Christ. And if there's anything that he owes you, I want you to know this. I'll cover for him. I want you to charge it to my account. I'll take care of it. And so here's Paul. Here's Paul playing the role of the middleman. The middleman between Philemon, the slave owner, and Onesimus, the slave. And Paul said, listen, if there's any debt, I'll cover it. I'll take care of it. Do you you recognize that there is a gap between us and between God? And guess what Jesus did? Jesus said, I'll fill that gap. Religion doesn't fill it. Education doesn't fill it. Religious activity doesn't fill it. Our possessions, no earthly relationships fill that gap. But Jesus came from heaven to earth as God's son to fill that gap, to bridge that gap. The word priest in Latin is pontifex. Pontifex means bridge maker or builder. And Jesus is the ultimate bridge builder who builds a bridge, the bridge between us and God. There's an interesting story. Back in 1936, um, some of you may remember that that was the year of, of the Olympics the Olympics in Berlin, but there was also something very significant that took place that year, specifically on December the 11th, which it happens to be today. It was King Edward VIII was getting ready to speak to Americans, not by internet, not by, not by FaceTime or any other modern technology that we have, but by radio broadcast. And that that radio broadcast was being made all the way from England to New York, and it was in New York on a station through, uh, there in New York City. And so as the king was making his way to the microphone to speak in, in, in England, they were getting things ready uh, very fast-paced over here to make sure that things went well And and right right as the king is getting ready to speak, one of the workers runs across the floor and he trips across the line that broke the line that was connecting so that they could hear what was being said. And so you've got the technicians and you've got the, the producers and everybody's all excited, but none of the smart people in the room knew exactly what to do. They're just standing there, and finally there was one intern that ran over and grabbed this side of the wire and that side of the wire that had been broken, and he took, and he put them together. So that as the king spoke, what was being said could be heard. We could say that that's the role of Jesus, our priest, that heaven's voice is being transmitted And what Jesus does is he bridges the gap by revealing God's intent and in will. That's what Jesus said. I am the way, the truth, and the life and no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is our high priest. He bridges the gap. And today, he stands in the gap for you. and presenting the In presenting the gift of gold, it was a a gift that was meant for a king. It recognized his kingship. In presenting frankincense to Jesus, they would recognize that he was priest. The great high priest who would not only offer the sacrifice, but he would become the sacrifice. And now, he sits at the Father's right hand. Travis, interceding on our behalf. Jennifer, interceding on our behalf. And in those times, you feel like nobody's listening. God says, I got it. I know exactly what's going on. See, Jesus is letting me know everything. He's keeping me up to date. Even though you have an accuser, I want you to know this. We have an advocate. We have an advocate. And he's And he speaks on our behalf to the Father. Today, maybe you're here and you're listening to my voice and you've never trusted Jesus. You could be here in this room or maybe you're listening online. But today, as we come near the end of our time together, maybe the reality is that you've never come to trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior. What is it that keeps you from making the most important decision of your life? We've learned today that Jesus is our priest, that he's the bridge builder, he's the bridge maker, and that he bridges the gap between us and God because it's a gap that we can't fill. And that's why he filled it. Today, if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, I. What's just keeping you from making that decision? Would you bow your heads with me today? Today, what a privilege it is for us to recognize that the Jesus that you demonstrated your love 2,000 years ago, that while we were still in sin, that you became the bridge for us. You became the mediator. You were the bridge builder. You gave your life so that we could have a relationship with Jesus. <laughs> what a privilege it is for us. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. As we read the scriptures today, I'm just reminded of your sovereignty and your power. I'm very thankful for the written word that we have. The Scripture, for not only the truth it brings, but the testimony it gives of your plan to rescue us from sin. Was it wasn't it plan B, but it was plan A from the beginning. For those of us that are believers that are listening in my voice, it's a great time just to say, Jesus, thank you. Thank you. For those that may be here today that have never trusted Jesus, Isn't it time to quit running? Isn't it time to quit trying everything else and just to stop and to pause, to reflect and to cry out to Jesus? The Bible says, it says, whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord should be saved. And right there where you are, you can cry out to God and you can acknowledge your sin, the sin that separates you. You can believe that Jesus gave his life as a sacrifice, as the Scripture teaches. And right there, you can make the decision to follow Jesus. Jesus, I want to follow you, and I want to obey you. Father, I thank you for the privilege of looking and examining these passages of Scripture. And Lord, today I pray that as we get ready to leave this place that um, we would be reminded of your mercy and grace, your power, your authority, your majesty. Jesus, as we walk out these doors, you've, you've called us to be an aroma, sweet aroma, because of our obedience and thanksgiving, and I pray that we would be that. And when we are, when we're living for you and we're doing as, as your word says, when we're, when we're abiding in you and you're abiding in us, there's much fruit that is bared, that, that is bore. And Father, people can see a difference in us. People aren't interested in religion. They aren't interested in religious people, but they are interested in a hope that comes through Jesus. May that be what we present to them. For the ones today that maybe have come to the place of saying, I want to follow Jesus even after this service, would they come to me? Would they let us know that this is a decision that I want to make so that we can follow up and continue to walk alongside of you? And as we finish up our time, Lord, as we always do, help us to see ourselves as your ambassadors, your hands and feet to this world in which you've placed us. As we're in the middle of this Christmas season, help us to not become distracted with all the the stuff, but help us to keep our eyes focused and gazing on you and you alone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.